Hello, nerds, and welcome to the Sons of Comic Podcast. I am your host, Steve Pugh, and I'm here with Scott Hill. Say hi, Scott. Hi, Scott. I mean, hello. <laughs> uh, today we have a great episode for you. We just wanted to introduce to you Scott Lang, Ant-Man, the second Ant-Man, to be correct, and he will be being played by Paul Rudd in the upcoming Ant-Man movie, uh, July 17th. And we just wanted to give people a heads up about Scott Lang, his story, um, a little bit about um, the Ant-Man creator, or the first Ant-Man, Hank Pym, and uh, everything about him and what people can expect in the movie. So to start out, I just wanted to say a bit about Scott. Scott is basically a reformed criminal um, who is actually an expert in electronics. Um, he originally started out doing electronics, but turned to a life of crime and burglary because he was unsuccessful as an electrician or an electronics expert. But eventually, he did get a, jar, uh, a job working for uh, Stark Enterprises and um, used uh, his skills to help Tony Stark with the Avengers Mansion, and that's kind of how it plays out in the comics. But eventually, his daughter, Cassie, who was a major force in his life, uh, gets a uh, gets very very sick and Scott basically steals the Ant-Man suit to use to save his daughter's life. The uh, the cure or the person who can help his daughter uh, was it Erica Sondheim? Is that am I saying that right? Uh, yes. I think it was Erica Sondheim. Yes, uh, she is a doctor who would be able to help Cassie and uh, make her well. She was being held captain by. Uh, captive by Darren Cross, who we will get to see in the movie, who's kind of like the main villain. A, yeah, but in a very different, in a very different form. In a very different context, he, especially. Yeah, like he was a very minor villain in the comics, and now they're kind of they're beefing up his role to be more prominent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, whereas in the comics, kind of in the comics, he kind of served a purpose, sort of the same way that Joe Chill served a purpose to shoot Batman's parents. Yeah. Beyond that role, he wasn't that important. Exactly. So we're gonna get to see a little bit of Darren. We're gonna get to see actually see a lot of Darren Cross apparently, uh, who'll be the main villain. So, being held captive, uh, Erica Sondheim by Darren Cross, uh, Scott Lang uses the Ant Man costume and the, I guess it's the Pym particles and the canisters to uh, save Erica, who then in turn saves his daughter. After that point, uh, Hank Pym basically gives him the suit, says you can have it and use it as long as you use it for good. Hank Pym goes on to become Yellow Jacket, um, and from that point on, Scott basically becomes part of the Avengers here and there. He also becomes part of a few other teams, including the Fantastic Four for a little bit, uh, a Defenders uh, kind of mashup. And he also dates Jessica Jones. That's which, true. Yeah. Which um, I wonder if they'll play with that with with Jessica Jones having her own series coming up. I'm sure that'll be part of the MCU. They'll probably um, they'll do a little Easter egg somewhere. They're like, oh, the last time I did that, I was dating Scott. At that point, you know, they might mention his name as a as hearsay or just a as a uh, by the way kind of thing. Past history together. <laughs> it would be interesting to see Paul Rudd and uh, well, the future. Jessica Jones played by uh, Kristen Ritter together. That'd be quite interesting to see. Yeah. But yes, Scott Lang is uh, definitely a more interesting character in my opinion than Hank Pym, only because mostly because um, 
I feel like Scott Lang has a lot more emotionally tied to his identity and with being Ant-Man because of his daughter. His daughter is such a big part of his life. He really, really loves her, wants to take care of her, would do anything for her. And I think when people have a lot at stake as superheroes, they have they make a more compelling story. And that's, you know, that's one of my big opinions. And I'll, I'll have to play devil's advocate on you there, because Hank Pym is one of the more interesting characters in the Marvel Universe. I mean, for starters, he... I can't remember the name of the comic that he started out as. It was something like Amazing Stories or something like that. The funny thing is, Hank Pym was never supposed to be a superhero. He was just like... He started out as just sort of like a short story in one of the Marvel's anthology series about a guy who, you know, managed be able to shrink down to ant size and then like has to deal with a bunch of these ants and find his way back to being normal sized and um the story actually proved to be very popular about a year or so later they brought him back as a full-blown superhero he managed to take the shrinking power and become a superhero and uh it's funny his first uh his original arch nemesis was the totally stupid, unthreatening villain Egghead, and <laughs> I'm almost hoping. Yeah, like for one thing, I mean, the '60s Batman TV show had a villain named Egghead. It's like it, it's the most, uh, it's the worst idea for a supervillain because it's not even original. But <laughs> they realized he's stupid, and they move gone from that and and uh so in the comics uh later on uh uh later on uh it is when uh hank pym uh and all the other people who'd be the founding members of the avengers realized they were being manipulated against each other by loki and formed the avengers and then a few issues later hank pym was one of the people that helped on excavating the body of captain america so that's an interesting thing. It's like you have, you know, in the movies now, Captain America is a founding member of the Avengers, and Hank Pym is only being introduced, you know, after the second sequel. And in the comic, it was like the reverse. Hank Pym was instrumental in bringing the Avengers together. And um, but I, what reason why I would play devil's advocate against you about Scott Lang being a more interesting character? At least in saying that Hank Pym is just as interesting a character. Anyway, um, crap, I forgot where I was. Um, oh, so Hank Pym has some interesting qualities that you usually don't see in a superhero. For one thing, he's um, explicitly has um, uh, explicitly has uh, manic depression. Like he he will go from high to low and is not is not as stable as other superheroes. And um, in the comics, he was the one that uh, created Ultron. And um, unlike Tony Stark, and Tony Stark's reaction being, yes, I'm doing this for good reasons, and, oh, well, that blew up on my face. Well, I was still right. It's my machine that's wrong. Uh, <laughs> Hank Pym... Hank Pym is, is a superhero that really internalizes his face and really has, like... He's got a massive guilt complex. Uh, big time. Uh, this also includes a very um, 
blown out of proportion moment uh, in the 70s when he smacked his then wife, uh, Janet Van Dyne. I might be mispronouncing her name, but uh, which has been like blown out of proportion to the point where it's like now when you see modern versions, he's constantly being portrayed as a wife beater or um, just someone who's horribly abusive when the context in the original in the original comic books vastly different. He, for one thing, he was under a lot of mind control at the time, or um, and he and he wasn't smacking her for domestic reasons, but because he was trying to accomplish the task and she was in his way. So if that had been Captain America or Iron Man, he would have applied the same sort of thing. Especially the fact too that at the time, um, Janet Van Dyne, who uh, is better known by her superhero name Wasp, had actually been explicitly manipulating him to be her uh, romantic squeeze at the time. But uh, I've gotten onto a tangent here. In any case, in any case, Hank Pym is very interesting because he's he's like a guy that's not supposed to be a superhero and knows it, and yet is constantly put in situations where he's got to do something. He's got to be a part of it. And then... Now he's more scientist then, than he is, you know, a superhero he really type. Is. He really is. You know, he's, he's not... Scientist. He's meant to be behind a desk and behind a, a lab table rather than out with the Avengers, where, as I see Scott Lang, he's... I don't know, he has something definitely more to fight for. He's not a scientist. He has ambitions greater... Or I guess I don't know passions that run deeper, like the other superheroes well, do. Yeah, well, there's no such thing as a bad written. There's no such thing as a bad superhero. It's no. How, how well they're not, and it's like, and on both sides, you could see you could see Scott Lang basically being another generic, you know, being just as generic as Hank Pym in the idea that he's, you know, it's like I'm I'm. Uh, you know, it's the same Spider-Man, uh, the same Spider-Man trajectory where it's like, I'm originally going to be selfish, only for something to happen to me and realize I shouldn't be selfish, and now I'm going to be super heroic. It's like, same trajectory, but the elements used to create that can actually be very compelling, even if you can compare the two. Yeah, definitely. You could, and just as, just as you could also level that Hank Pym is... That Hank Pym is very, you know, basically not very heroic or not doesn't have a lot of motivation. You can use that to also point out how a lot of people can relate to that. You know, if written well, a lot of people, more people can relate to the idea that I don't want to be a superhero. I just want to do my job as a scientist or something else. But at the same time, I'm now faced with something that I can't just ignore I have to be a part of. But yeah, he's... Hank Pym is definitely an interesting character, and I'm interested to see what we get out of him um, in the movie, per se. And I guess we're going to get to probably see a lot of Easter eggs from where he came from, um, where his place was in the Avengers Initiative originally, um, before oh, okay. the Avengers that we have now. And I think that'll be pretty interesting to see. And then his mentoring of Scott Lang, especially, which is which is kind of a retcon from the comics, because we in the comics he really didn't get any mentoring per se from uh, oh, the, 
from from the uh, comics, from Hank Pym. King explicitly stole the suit. Yeah, explicitly stole it. Own, decided of decided on his own to start using it for good. Whereas in the movie, uh, you have Hank Pym being offered uh, basically uh, seek, uh, seek, seeking Scott Lang out, giving him the suit and training him. But I'm I'm also excited. I'm also a little peeved that there's not enough people generating buzz about this, but I, I think Michael Douglas cast as Hank Pym is spot on. Oh, very, very. And, and but unfortunately, I think Michael Douglas was, you know, is very much a different breed of actor than I think comic book fans are used to fanboying over. And so as a result, most of them are just like, oh yeah, Scott Douglas, he exists. Right. And I think... Michael if, Douglas. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, oh, Michael Douglas. Uh, I guess, I guess he's really needing a paycheck if he's finally coming to this to do a Marvel movie, right? Right. And nobody, like, nobody in Marvel, Marveldom is ever cast on accident or out of, out of some other reason. They are always cast because they are, they're there for the role. Yeah, and Michael Douglas has made a career out of being a troubled protagonist, of being someone that, you know really uh, like is really not is is really not heroic very anti-heroic and then being forced to decide whether he's gonna do heroic things or not or like i mean you look at basic instinct and how basically the that uh both basic instinct or like fatal attraction come from the fact that michael douglas is playing a character that is making decisions that even at the time he knows are wrong and yet, he manages to do it in a way where you don't entirely lose sympathy for him. And and that's Hank Pym. Like, Hank Pym has had tons of moments like that, where he's explicitly made a mistake that he regrets, but you, you don't entirely lose sympathy for him. So, I just wish more people would be like, would just be like, yeah, Michael Douglas, perfect casting, and stuff. And why are they making Hank Pym old? I'm just, I'm just like, shut up, people. Shut up. He'll do great. He will. He will. He'll be fine. <laughs> so, and then, in regards to what happens in the movie and from what I've seen so far and just in clips and uh, what we've gotten by the way, uh, the suit looks good. Um, I mean, they make it look kind of old because originally Hank Pym designed it back when he was... Uh, being the Ant-Man, so it looks kind of oldish. It's not as newish as, per se, one of Iron Man's Mark 42s or whatever, or any of the other Avengers armor, but that that doesn't really matter. It still looks pretty badass. Yeah, You know what it reminds me of? Hmm. It kind of reminds me of the the Rocketeer. It has a little bit of that aesthetic for me. It kind of does, doesn't it? A little bit. Yeah, it's sort of... I I like that. I, I I love the Rocketeer, so anything that Reminds me of that movie as gold in my eyes. <laughs> Definitely, um, and I think it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how they incorporate getting small, then getting big. Um, will weigh in in like the fight scenes and in other ways. And I'm sure, based on what we've seen out of the villain and what little we've seen of him, his suit is supposed to be you know like oh my suit's like about thousand times better. It's like the Iron Man thing where you know. Yeah. Um, uh, Obadiah Stane's suit is like so much more powerful, and I'm so much better. But it's not really; it, it never really boils down to the suit. It always boils down to the character, and his um, 
well, his cleverness and his genius and how he decides to use it. It's not the power of the suit, it's how you use it, you know. So yeah. I think that's really where we're going to find out how Scott Lang decides to beat the villain is in how he uses it. So I'm, I'm very interested to see what kind of um, things they can do with that. From what I've heard from a, uh, a source over at comicbookmovie.com um, who got to go to the premiere, he actually stood with Paul Rudd and uh, got to talk to him a little bit. He saw the movie, said it was amazing, and said it was the best Marvel movie he's seen since Iron Man, since the first Iron Man movie. And I was like, whoa, that's kind of a big statement. So, I mean, I, I honestly, the first time I saw Iron Man, I was blown away. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, the casting has done so well apart from Terrence Howard. Um, you know, I was I like was so Terrence, surprised. Exactly. I, 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 yeah. I liked Terrence Howard, but at the same time, I, I think... I thought Terrence Howard brought something to the role that Don Cheadle doesn't, but Don Cheadle brings something to the role that Terrence Howard doesn't, but, you know, I... There's a give and take there I, that I'm, we I'm can't really dispute. Sort of, I'm dragging a sort of tangent again, so let's keep going. <laughs> so... Um, I am looking forward to the movie. I definitely think it's going to be worth watching for sure. Um, I think the story will be compelling. Um, but I am, I, I mean, anything Marvel does pretty much in movies and cinema turns to gold. So, I mean, it's obviously going to be a huge money Except maker. Except Thor 2. Except what? Except Thor 2. I'm sorry. Yeah. The Dark World. You know, if I, if I can just Go tangent for just one minute, um... The Thor movies never really did it for me. I was, and and there's lots of good reasons for that. And I'm sure we'll just do a podcast on total movie failures in comics. And Thor two is like near the top of the list, um, next to Green Lantern and um, a couple others. But yes, the Thor movies just never really did it for me. Don't, I mean, I have better hopes, not high hopes, but better hopes for Ragnarok when it comes but I'm not holding my breath. As long as the movie stays away from Earth, I think we'll be okay. I'm not going to say we're going to be amazing, but we'll be okay. And that's kind of where I stand. <laughs> I liked the first Thor, but oh my gosh. they the When it comes to the second Thor movie, there are eight deadly words that you don't ever want anyone to say about your story. And those eight deadly words are, I don't care about any of these people. And that movie had me uttering that the entire way. Like, I didn't care about Thor. I didn't care about the villain. I didn't care about anyone that I was seeing on screen. Except maybe Kat Dennings. But that's because I have a crush. Don't judge me. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Other than that, like, I really... Thor 2 just... Uh, anyway, tangent over... Moving on. Um, so it premieres, well, in America, July 17th. Um, I would encourage people to go see it. Ant-Man is one of the lesser-known Avengers, um, if known at all, but he is definitely featured in many comics. He's Hank Pym and his character are, are definitely there in presence and in uh, reality. And, uh, yeah, I would recommend people going to see it. So... Uh, thanks for listening to this podcast, and uh, we hope you enjoy